one sat alone beside the highway begging his eyes were blind the light he could not see he clutched his old rags and shivered in the shadows then jesus came and bade his darkness flee it's time to open the word once again with evangelist Lester Roloff on the Family Altar program. Glory for all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. If you have your Bible, turn with us, please, to the book of Luke, chapter 19. That's as much as, as I have of the message thus far. It's just a chapter. It's the 19th chapter, the Gospel of Luke. I read the other day where we ought not to put our trust in money and uh, riches if you swallow them down. The wise man said you'll have to vomit them up. Always keep your riches on the outside. Never let them get on the inside. If you ever let the riches that you have get in your heart, they'll ruin your heart. Riches are to be used. I'm talking about earthly riches and material riches. They're to be used on the outside. Now, I didn't say that they couldn't get good things on the inside, but they can only do it as they're dedicated to God and get the gospel message into the hearts of the people. Money has never proved a blessing to anybody if it wasn't sanctified. It's always been a curse. Paul said to the young preacher, I want you to beware, look out, he said, because he said the love of money is the root of all evil. It's all right, I say again, to have money, but it's not all right to love it. Don't set your affections on the things of this world. And that's what he said in the book of Colossians. He said, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For you're dead. Have you ever seen a dead man grabbing at a pocketbook? Have you ever gone by a casket and had a dead man to look up at you and said, could you slip me a $5 bill? I may need it on this trip. Have you? No, I didn't think you had have you ever seen a dead man get his feelings hurt? Hmm? Have you ever seen a dead man pout? Have you ever heard a dead man curse? And yet the Bible said you're dead. I believe God wants to give us something tonight. But here's a rich man. I'm going to talk about him tonight. There's a rich man. I mean, he's rich. He's plenty rich. But I tell you one thing. He wasn't satisfied. All his riches didn't satisfy him. Did you hear what I read about, wasn't that an outstanding thing? I think he's real sweet. His last will and testimony. He said, I've trusted my soul in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I tell you, I believe that that's the way the last will ought to read of everybody. I believe you ought to have something in there about where you're going. I believe it. Why, the first thing I'd put in the will would be, I believe, I will that my whole family meet me in heaven. That'd be the number one thing. I'd, well, I'd rather have that than anything in the world. I just want all my family in heaven. All my grandchildren, I want them in heaven. I don't have time for them down here, look like, but we'll have time in heaven. But I want them all in heaven, every one of them. I want my neighbors. I'd, I'd say I will let my neighbors meet me in heaven. 
What is your will? What's your last will? We got a check for $2,000 in the mail from a lady who said, I will that $2,000 goes into the enterprises to help win people to Christ. That was her last testimony. After she was dead, she spoke. Abel being dead yet speaking. What are you going to say after you die? What's your, when they read your last letter? Oh, I tell you, we've had some sad times. I mean, I, I, I just can't imagine some of the things that's happening among the so-called preachers today. I tell you, there's just one way to be safe, and that's to stay with this book right here. And girls, you just got to memorize it and memorize it and memorize it. Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law that he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so. Thank you. Notice how the psalm started out and how it ended. Blessed and perish. Talking about two different people though, wasn't he? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel. Now then, the last word was perish. He's talking about a wicked man. And that's what the wicked are doing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. All men are perishing. Sin Pleasure, money, fame, popularity, none of it satisfies. A little girl hung herself. She was the most popular girl in high school. She received all the honors of the world, and yet she hung herself and said, I just cannot live coming off of this dope the way I'm coming off of it. And she was in a jailhouse cell. You have your Bible? Let's read. Chapter 19, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he was rich. Now that's enough said right there. He's got to be a successful man because he's rich. That's what the world say, wouldn't it? Have you ever heard anybody say, well, you know, my daughter did well. She married a rich man. Here's a rich man. But here's a rich man that's going to do something that very few rich people ever do. He's going to go see Jesus. He realized there was something wrong in his life. And so the Bible said he sought to see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. Don't you believe tonight, dear friends, that if anybody really wants to see Jesus, especially in this country, he'd get a chance to see him. You know, it's the centurion. He wanted to see Jesus. And Simon Peter got on the housetop and came down and told him about Jesus. I guess the uh, Philippian jailer must have wanted to see Jesus. Poor old uh, mean, brutal uh, jailer that beat up these two preachers and put them in the jail. And yet, by midnight, he was taking a look at Jesus because somebody showed Jesus to him, see. Now, what if Paul and Silas had gone into jail complaining and whimpering and whining? And I tell you, when I compare my little trials and, and my little bitty heartaches that I have with uh, Peter 
and with John and with Job and with James and with Elijah and Jeremiah and Elisha and all those fellows. I want you to know it makes me feel like a little sissy. I don't ever have much sympathy on these Christians that's always complaining about what you're going through. I'm so sick and tired of what you're going through, see? Why, dear friend, who cares what you're going through? Just go on through it and hush up about it. Praise God for the privilege of going through something. Most people are not going to get that far, isn't that right? Most people will never make it through. And so here's a rich man. He's got a lot of money. He was a publican, but he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was. I'll tell you something else he did. He could not for the press because he was little of stature. <laughs> I've been dealing with the press. Man, if I depended on them to show me Jesus, I'd never see him. And I just say it because it's a truth, and somebody might as well say it, and the preacher doesn't say it, and nobody else is going to say it. I'll guarantee you, if you depend on television and that bunch of show people and the newspaper announcers and photographers and all that bunch of folks to show you Jesus, I'll guarantee you'll have a hard time getting to see him if you're waiting on the press to show him to you. Oh, may the Lord have mercy. May the Lord have mercy on us tonight. And so he said he couldn't see him for the press because he was little of stature. Are you listening? Did you know that everybody's too little to see Jesus in his own strength? <laughs> We're really short. You talk about sawed-off sinners. That's the way all of us are. You'll never get to see Jesus if you depend on your bigness to find him. A dope addict stood right there against that door and said, I'll kick it by myself. Mother and daddy have spent a fortune on him. I mean, vain. I've known him ever since. He's a little bitty baby. He said, I'll kick it by myself. Under indictment, ready to go to the penitentiary, caught red-handed, he said, I'll kick it by myself. I said, how long has it been since you had dope? He said, four hours. I said, you really kicking it in a hurry? Can you imagine? Oh, listen, dear friends. Why, he said uh, he couldn't see him because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. Are you listening? Real good now. He wanted to see Jesus, but he couldn't. No man ever sees Jesus accidentally. Have you ever heard a man say, you know... I just was sitting around one day doing nothing. I realized I was lost, just decided I'd just make myself a Christian. Nobody ever gets saved like that. You know the way you get saved? You get saved by getting exposed to the gospel. There's two things, there's two exposures, you know. There's two exposures that you've got to have. First of all, you've got to be exposed in your sinful nature. You've got to get your sins exposed. Have you ever really been sick of your sin? I mean, really sick of your sin. Have you ever come to the place? A little girl came to the studio. She's barefooted. She had on bell-bottom trousers. She had on these big hippie glasses. That's right. And then in a little bit, I began to talk with her. I said, are you a Christian? She said, mm-hmm. Just about like that. I said, uh, no compunction for her sin, she's expecting. I mean, it didn't bother at all. Her sin's never fallen on her at all. 
Oh, I think directly when I prayed and talked with her a little bit, I think she had a little bit of a tear too, but only because she got caught. There's got to be a double exposure. And here's the next one. Now, getting your sins exposed will not save you. But if you get exposed to Jesus and his word, after you get your sins exposed, then you'll get saved. You never will until there's real conviction. And there's not a person in this building that's saved tonight that's never been under conviction. Never will be saved till you get under conviction. Now, I'm going to tell you something else. The greater your conviction, the greater will be your conversion. Some of you weep more because you're homesick to see mama and the crowds you ran with than you ought to see Jesus tonight. That's not the weeping that gets you anywhere. A lot of those are silly, selfish, sinful tears. You think Lot wanted out of Sodom? I guess she didn't. I think when old Lot came home, uh, Mrs. Lot, and he said to her, uh, Mrs. Lot, honey, we've got to get out of here. She said, what are you talking about? You mean me give up my nice home and you give up your position as mayor of the town? Why, what are you talking about? Don't you think I'm going to move back to the farm? I'm not going out to the hills again. I'm, glad, I'm through with that grass forever. He said, maybe when I tell you what's going on, you might be willing to go. Your house is fixing to burn, sister. Really? Can't you just see the old sister? You think she was ready to leave? Not on your own. Listen, she wanted to stay there. But her husband convinced her that there'd be a fire. And dear friends, we're living in Sodom's day right now. This is the wickedest day that America's ever seen. And the most violent day. I tell you folks, if you're really interested in something worthwhile, you better be praying for Jesus to come. And, and he got her to pack up what things she could, and they, they started out, and God had given them warning, don't look back. But she looked back, and what happened to her? She turned into a pillar of salt. She was destroyed. Lot went on his way by himself as a disobedient wife. She failed to obey the Lord. She left two little girls orphans. Her other children were burned up in, in Sodom. These two little girls had not had the right example because uh, they became the mothers of what we call illegitimate children. And her, their own daddy was the, was the father of the children. Would you blame the little girls? No, sir. You know what they used to get uh, him to live in sin like that? They used liquor. Did you know that drinking liquor is one of the most immoral things you'll ever do? There's a many a man in prison tonight that doesn't remember the crime he committed. Man said to me, Brother Olaf, I'm charged with murder. And then he said, I'm pretty sure I'm guilty, but I have no recollection of what I did. Can you imagine us legalizing and licensing something that'll take a man's brain out of him? That'll make it impossible for him to exercise the most blessed gift God ever gave a man except his soul and his, and his uh, ability to accept Jesus Christ when he hears the gospel preach. And yet, a man is unreasonable because he can't reason, you see, when he begins to drink. And you girls and boys and men and women that are here tonight and out in Radio Land, why would you ever even touch a liquor bottle? Why would you ever put anything like that into your delicate system? The wages of sin is still there. Zacchaeus, 
Would you like to see Jesus? He said, indeed I would. I'm going to see him too. And so the Bible said he ran. That's pretty good for a rich man, isn't it? Run into Jesus. Now I promise you one thing. If we knew how serious these days are, everybody that hears my voice would be running to Jesus right now. I mean, you wouldn't be walking. You'd run. You'd run. You know, I never believe in running in the church house. I never permit. I wouldn't permit anybody to run in the church house unless you get the running toward the altar to Jesus. That always looks good to me. I like the faster you run, the better it suits me. There's nothing irreverent about that if you're running to Jesus. And I've seen some of them run too. I really haven't. And I long to see more. I long to win many people to Christ in this city yet. And I know it's more difficult than it's ever been before because people are so steeped in blindness and sin. But I still believe that if we'll exalt Jesus and preach the word, I believe that people will be saved. Why, we've had enough demonstrations here with the girls and the men. You take a man that's been in prison 19 years. He came and gave his heart to Christ. Why, he shed 10,000 tears almost since I've known him praying with him, reading the Bible, and watching the old gospel hammer just hard, hit away at him. I've seen him morning after morning in the prayer meeting just take his old fist and wipe them tears just like this. Every morning. I can mention Jesus, and I can mention the cross, and I can mention how Jesus loves him, and he'll reach up there to wipe away some tears. Why, listen... Feel sorry for a convict like that? No. If it took 19 years in the prison and then a trip to Corpus to find a few Christians maybe that would love him and would not discount him because he'd been in prison, why, if it'd melt his heart and get him safe, thank God for the privilege of being a convict. All right? Let's see if he can climb a tree. There's a rich man. He ran before, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. Now, I reckon what that did to him. I reckon what that did. Do you think uh, that pleased him? Do you really think a rich man would like to be caught laying on a limb looking at Jesus? You think maybe he was, you think he said, now then, I'm going to get recognized. I'm going to climb up that tree and I'm going to get some recognition because when he comes along, he'll look up there and see me and everybody see Mr. Zacchaeus, the rich man. Why, dear friend, God uses strange things to get people saved. He climbed up the tree, got himself, I imagine, covered with limbs and leaves and said, my, I'm going to get a good look at him because he'll come walking right down this road right here. And so sure enough, he did. He guessed that right. And when Jesus came under that tree, he just kind of put his brakes on. And I imagine Zacchaeus kind of quit breathing. I imagine he said, oh, no, move on. You know, my. And Jesus said, uh, seemed like there's somebody up this tree. No, he didn't. Jesus, let's see what he said. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. You think he said, could any of y'all tell me who that man is up there on that limb? <laughs> hey, what's your name? What are you doing up there? No. What did he tell him? Zacchaeus, get in a hurry. <laughs> Make haste and come down. Thank you for joining us today on the Family Altar Program with Lester Roloff.